Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author and colleague, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a broadcast that we do live every Thursday at six o'clock Eastern time. And then it's available on various podcast outlets and on YouTube and Facebook. And you can certainly join us live. And if you do, we welcome your comments and questions and we welcome them afterwards as well. And we're getting more emails and comments and questions, and we love to use them in our program. We ask if you send us a question to let us know if we can if we can talk about it openly, if we can share your first name and, and perhaps read your email as we're going to today. Many times we will choose an email that we think encapsulates the kind of concerns or, or covers many different concerns that a lot of people might have, and we'll use that as a launch pad for conversation. This program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community-supported animal welfare organization that provides shelter and medical care and spay-neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. Since its inception in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit associations or organizations in Central Mass and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and make a donation at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N dot O-R-G. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at N Saxton Lopez. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. We like to mention also that the broadcast is based on the learning that we acquired largely through the many years, 30 years in Nancy's case, of, of facilitating pet loss support groups for people in New Jersey. And we bring that information forward in this broadcast and, and hopefully are reaching many more people. And also, uh, Nancy continues to do clinical work where she's supporting people who are going through the pet loss experience as well. And that's something I can do as I'm open to doing as well as a coach. So let's get started. Yeah, we had a, um, a really interesting and thoughtful uh, email that came in from Kristen um, this past week. And we picked this one because there were so many layers of relevance about pet loss that um, you know, we can talk about a few different things. She had one particular question that we're going to answer, and then we're going to go back through um, and and look at some of the other pieces, uh, parts of what she wrote in her email. But I'm going to read it first uh, because it's 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 a it's a really wonderfully thought out um, and um, emotional you know email. Um, Hi, Nancy and Ken. First of all, thank you very much for your podcast. It has really helped me understand the feelings of loss and sadness I have been experiencing leading up to and following the loss of my baby girl, Bella. I shared my life with Bella for the past 16.5 years. I got her when I was 19 years old, and now I'm 35. I have known her longer than I've known my husband, and she, along with my other two cats, has been a central friend and companion since that time, and we shared many life experiences. 
She was a very small kitty with a larger than life personality and I miss her so very much. Bella was sick for the last six months with it progressively getting worse over time. She was diagnosed with GI cancer based on the diagnostics that were done. We understand it was diffused through her small intestine and eventually a mass in her duodenum um, was detected, which seemed to lead to other secondary issues. Her quality of life passed the tipping point at the end of September, and we said goodbye at home with the help of a vet on September 22nd. We were very involved in her care with medications, pills and injections, tracking all of her calories to try to help her gain weight, and feedings every couple of hours a day and night. It was truly terrible to see our friend go from being so lively and dynamic to being in pain and literally waste away. As we triaged her initial diagnosis, and until near the end, we were so hopeful that something would change, but no medical interventions worked. It was heartbreaking. Deciding to euthanize her and the whole experience of her euthanasia was very difficult. It was not our usual vet, and they did not explain the timing of everything clearly to us, and we felt like we didn't have the time we needed to say goodbye. We had been saying goodbye for several weeks at that point, but it will remain a challenging issue that I hope I can be at peace with eventually. The podcast was helpful for me with some of these feelings and understanding the anticipatory grief I had before it happened and the guilt afterwards. We held her funeral service today, scattered her cremains in our garden where she used to like to play, and made her a lovely memorial under a tree with an engraved memorial stone and some hand-painted stones we made. There have been a few instances where she may have visited us in another form, and I truly hope it was her, and she is okay, and she knows how sorry we are that we had to say goodbye and how much we loved her. I continue to struggle with extreme anxiety for the health of my other two cats, Tilly and Milo. Tilly is 16 and a half, and Bella's litter maid, and has some existing health issues, hyperthyroidism, arthritis, and a skin condition. Milo is 12 and no known health conditions, but did lose about 10% of his body weight when Bella was ill as we were accidentally underfeeding him for about six weeks when she was the sickest. And we feel absolutely horrible about this. Since Bella died, my anxiety has been sky high in terms of monitoring their pees, poos, calories, and general health. I notice every little thing and question it as some indication that they are sick. I have taken Tilly to the emergency vet because we thought we hadn't peed that day. She was fine. We have her on, on the platinum level therapy now for all other conditions, moving from meds to radioiodine to manage her hypothyroidism, adding laser therapy for her arthritis. Both Tilly and Milo have been to the vet again recently for blood work and urinalysis just to check, and thankfully the results were normal. But I can't help think that Bella had nearly normal blood work until right near the end when her sickness progressed very far. So could that be the same for them 
that they are really secretly sick. I weigh them both every couple of days at home with a CAT scale. I can't stop thinking about losing one of them and wondering if anything seemingly out of the ordinary is the start of them getting sick. My husband loves our cats and also deeply grieved Bella in his own way, but does not understand the anxiety I am feeling. I know all living things will ultimately die, and I am really trying to accept that there are things I can't control and that I need to live in the moment. I also know that this level of anxiety is not rational, but it is very real. Is anxiety about other friends something that others deal with upon losing one of their beloved pets who was very sick? Is this something that could be discussed on the podcast? Or do you have any advice about how to manage this anxiety in a healthy way? Thank you in advance for considering this topic. Your podcast is very helpful and I'm so glad I found it. And there's a picture of Bella. <laughs> Little Bella. So cute. So <laughs> this is a lot. There's a lot yeah. packed into this yeah. email. Um, so what are your thoughts? Well, my first thoughts are that she talks about anxiety, very extreme anxiety. We don't exactly know what that means. And there's some question in my mind about whether or not she would benefit and deserves to see a therapist. Because if her anxiety is interrupting her ability to do the things in life that she usually does, if she's really preoccupied, like she cannot focus for any amount of time away from Tilly's health concerns, then I think she deserves to see a therapist for some individualized guidance on how to, to manage remain calm. And it, now on the other hand, it's possible that she is able to, to stay focused on other things in life for the large, for the most part. And, and then I'm thinking, is she doing some meditation? Is she, is she in some ways doing some things that are restorative and soothing for herself? Is she, is she exercising regularly? Is she doing this sort of self-care things that can help people when they're really stressed out about something? And then there's another part of me that's saying it's totally reasonable to be pretty concerned about Tilly, who was Bella's litter mate, the same age, has a bunch of health concerns. And that age is, is high, 16 yes. and a half, is quite elderly. And now it's not, it's not as elderly as it would be if this were a dog that she was talking about because cats often live longer than, than dogs do on average. But still, it makes sense to be concerned about this, but it doesn't make sense. And, it, and it's not a great health indicator to be so preoccupied that you can think of little else. Right. And then my final thought, and then I'll stop talking, <laughs> is that it's only been about, it's been about three weeks. It's, been, it's very new. It's so very it's new. really new. It was a really traumatic loss that happened. There's there's dimensions to it have to do with the, the way the euthanasia, the euthanasia proceeded that was particularly unsettling and disturbing. And, and this was a pet who was so close to to Kristen's heart. It was like the end of an era, the end of a primary yeah. relationship. So there's a huge amount of grief going on. And, and as she progresses through her grief, my 
senses that she's likely to become more less anxious overall because anxiety is often a feature of grief. But those those are some of my thoughts about this. And and I and I and I you know hear all of that. I mean that's you know very legitimate in how you you presented that. Um, I will say this that it's not untypical if you have other animals that you will be hypervigilant. Oh yeah. After one dies, you know you're like, oh my god, we I can't we can't have another death, right? So yeah. so yeah. there's a lot of watching. There's a lot of attention. There's there's a, 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 a that anxiety, right? There's a lot of anxiety. It's grieving, but it's also what about the others? Yeah. You know what about the others, and what's going to happen? And if Bella died so 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 soon after a diagnosis, because she you know you know kind of lost her you know her faculties, and and it just became worse and worse that they had to make a decision. So what's going to happen to Tilly, and what's going to happen to Milo, or if other people have other animals? What of course you're going to watch them. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like like I mentioned. When Isabel died on June 19th, which was a Saturday, Abigail started coughing really badly that next day and was sluggish. I rushed her to an emergency vet and it turned out she did have a a bronchitis and was put on 15 days of antibiotics, which cleared her. But I was was thinking, we lost Isabel (laughs) yesterday. Abigail's dying right before my eyes. And so, yeah, there was a, I mean, it was a good thing that we took her to the vet and she needed the treatment, but that concern was incredibly intense yes. because, because exactly what she said, because it was like, I, all I could think was, oh my God, they reached their expiration date. And of course she, she died like a couple months later, but the, the intensity of focus was, it was appropriate, but it was also, I think it would have been there in any case, even if she hadn't been sick that day. No, I, and, and the, the anxiety is, you know, is, it can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we don't know in context where Kristen's anxiety is. She's obviously extremely anxious about, you know, what's going on with Tilly and, and Milo. Um, but this isn't an uncommon, like you said, grieving you know, emotion, you know, we all have that kind of anxiety and there is anxiety after a loss to begin with. Right. And then you put in these, these two beautiful cats that are older, one, the litter mate who Tilly, who has some issues. And of course she would be out of her mind. Like, is this going to happen to her? Now we have to talk about though, because she's looking for, what do you do with all that anxiety? And now, and she also said her husband's a little like, He's, he's he's yeah he he grieves differently. She mentioned that that is completely mm-hmm. true. Everyone grieves differently, but he can't understand that anxiety that she has, and that may be part of why she's more you know she's compensating. You know she may she may have more anxiety you know because he's not having so much. Um, so what you had talked about before is she already understands pragmatically and realistically that at some point. Tilly and Milo will die. We, they all die. All, all of our babies die at some point. And that's really sad. So, but it's her emotional part that we have to help her with. And so you you very, you know, said um, very truly that, you know, taking care of herself and, 
making sure she gets some exercise and eats well and gets some rest and, you know, really takes care of her spiritual self, her emotional self, as well as her physical self. And, and distractions too. I mean, yes. constructive distractions. Is she, is she being with friends or is she and her husband getting some time where they go out and, and have some uh, meet with friends, go to dinner, things like that. You know, it's a little challenging depending where you are in terms of COVID right now, but, but having some kind of other place to put your, your attention is is helpful i mean one of the things that that i see here is she's she and her husband are doing everything imaginable mm -hmm. so it's not like they need to do more and and so what they need to do more about is just being attentive to themselves mm -hmm. and to their their own health and and one of the things she says in a, in a way that I think is really important is you have to realize that whether and when Tilly and Milo die is something way outside your control. Exactly. It's way beyond your ability to control. So you do all that you can, and then you try to realize that life and death matters are outside of our hands, ultimately. It there's no time stamp on death. I mean, it happens when it happens. You know, it's inconvenient. It always is inconvenient, unfortunately. Um, so, and that's part of not having that control. So, and, you know, really it's it's helping them understand that this, this is the process. And a lot of times animals are sick and they don't really tell us. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and it's we've had, you know, situations on our show that, you know, it wasn't even picked up. You know, vets couldn't even pick up something. And all of a sudden the animal was dying or has died. So, you know, it's it's I think what happens with the anxiety is you can't you, you can't control it. You know, there now she's and, and rightly so, because I would be the same way really consumed with how Tilly is and how Milo is because she can't go through another death. You know, it's so painful to lose Bella that you, she's saying, I can't, I can't do this. I can't have this happen again right now. And so, and I think you're right over time as, as she goes through the grieving, she and her family go through the grieving of Bella and there's becomes, you know, some, some more rhythm with the daily, you know, things that go on and, and the routines, you know, with her other two cats, um, she may ease up a little bit on that anxiety. Um, however, you know, they'll love, they just need to love them. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. love them into yep. every day. You kiss them and hug them and take care of them like you would, you know, you know, for any of our babies all the time. And, at some point it'll happen, but you know, that is out of our control. As you well, and, and, and you don't want the preoccupation hmm. to get in the way of, as Kristen writes, being in the present moment yeah. with your animal family member. Like you don't want to be so caught up in weight and whether they've gone to the bathroom within the next, within the last six hours or, 
all of that stuff. It's it's so important to try to balance that with just enjoying them. I mean, one of the things that from a cognitive behavioral perspective that it may be useful is when she finds herself ruminating, like thinking about something over and over again, to really push herself to put her attention elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's there's this idea that you can't not you can't try not to think about something. You can only try to think about something. You can redirect, focus your attention. But if you try not to think about something, you are in fact thinking about exactly. And so, even just to go for a walk, to call a friend, to read something that's not about caring for your your cat, like those those kinds of things are the ways that you can at least block some of the intense rumination, the repetitive thinking. It's just a, there's there's just tools that that you can apply. Sometimes they'll work. Sometimes they won't work. Yes. Now, you know, and I, I did some research. I mean, I sent you the, these, uh, this information today. I mean, what you can do around this anxiety issue is obviously grieving is unique and individual. We had talked mm-hmm. about that just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen and her husband are, are grieving, but they're grieving differently. And you want to find out about anxiety. So to have some information about anxiety, because like, you know, we had talked, she said she extreme anxiety, which means to me that she is, you know, obsessed, you know, that she's, you know, very wired with what's going on. Um, and it's part of that grieving process, right? So she's, she's trying to be, she's saying, I, tr- I need to be more present, but she also can't help feeling this way, right? Because Bella just died. I mean, right. she just died a few weeks ago, right? It's very new and very raw. But it's also associated a little with guilt. So I think there was some guilt around the vet issue, I believe, because they felt bad that they didn't have their own vet, that another vet was present, and and was there at the euthanasia and did not explain things, you know, as well as she, she or he should have or could have, and they didn't have enough time to say goodbye because it's, it's that anticipatory thing, and then all of a sudden it's there. And 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 I just want to punctuate the point that it, I don't think I don't think many people get through the death of their pet without guilt. Yeah, right. Exactly. I won't find something to be guilty to feel guilty about. It's just it's just the way that I mean, here you have people who are so extraordinarily conscientious. There's no way they're gonna they're gonna have their pet die and not and not have guilt. It just that's just the way it works. Yeah. The more conscientious you are, I think the more likely it's going to happen. Not in every case, but it just it just seems so common that that's the way this works. Yeah, it's always going to be there, no matter no matter what, right? Unfortunately, we have to go through that. Guilt's one of the hardest uh, emotions to go through, you know, because you you have to at some point forgive yourself. Yeah, and, and it's, how to do that, that whole right? thing. You know, Nancy. To me, a lot of this is that whole thing of you you notice the feeling, you let it exist, and then you just you don't try to hang on to it. You just kind of watch it from a meditative posture and it, it comes and goes and eventually 
it comes and goes and with less intensity and eventually it comes and go with it, it comes and goes with less frequency and, and then it goes and then it, and then like every now and then it comes back and and that's but the the thing is if you grab onto it and hold it that makes it stay longer and that makes it harder to to be released from and so this whole idea i always think of this idea of letting the feeling come notice it and then just sort of pass through you right if you can do that there's just one other comment that i want to make and that is again i i i am I'm, I'm sort of challenged or troubled a bit by the extreme in capitals and and you know sometimes it's a good idea for a person who's who's that preoccupied to talk to as i said a therapist or also to talk to their physician and therapist maybe first because Sometimes when people are so overwrought, there may even be a place for some medication for a short period of time to help them to relax through this. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I think that's going to be Kristen's decision yeah, oh, yeah. because, because it's 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 true to her. But what and we don't know on what we don't know. We can't do an assessment. And what, yeah, it's, we can't and, do an it assessment. depends on, on, on her, how she feels if it's so intense that she can't function. Right. Although, and although it appears that she is, you know, you know, because she has some rationality about things, right? She's saying, I know I need to be more in the present. I know that we did the best mm -hmm. we could. Even, you know, I mean, yes, there could be guilt, you know, you know, did we get Bella? You know, we did everything we can for Bella, but you're always wondering if she, she and her husband could do, done more. But she has a really good rational handle on how she was presented sure. as female. But, but I guess I'm wondering if she can't sleep. Right. If she can't if she can't, can't focus? If she can't eat? Mm -hmm. If she can't do some of the things that we talk about as being sort of the baseline things that we need to do every day, activities of daily living? Then you deserve to have an evaluation. Then you de you deserve whatever kind of care is going to help you to get that baseline established and and maintained. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I, I think that some of the other things was you know it might be helpful for for she and her husband to go through and really sit down to um, celebrate the relationship they had with Bella. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that works through some of this anxiety. Um, we talked about taking care of the self, obviously, and reach out to your support system. The yep. other thing that is a group, I know we don't know where Kristen yep. lives, but, you know, there, there are groups and they can be online. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's helpful. We've always found that people got a lot of a lot of support through going to uh the group that we they were we ran, and that they, they could talk to other people that were really feeling the same way, yep. and that gives you license to own that yes, you have those feelings and they're legitimate, you know, and maybe some help on how do you work with that? How do other people do that? How do right. other people work through hearing that? other people's stories? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. which was yeah. Really helpful. Um, I think it was nice that they did see some signs of Bella. Yeah. You know, we felt that that was, that was happening and they had a wonderful ritual, a memorial for her. 
Um, it's always hard to make that euthanasia decision. We've talked yeah. about that so much. Um, and so, you know, and it's a, it's really difficult when you do have an animal that, that does get very ill because there does become a lot more caretaking, which then increases it's, it, there's an anxiety to that and there's also an intensity and an energy sure. and an intimacy sure. and yeah, you're really spending yeah. a lot of time she they felt a little they felt really guilty about was it tilly or milo who had lost the weight um because they hadn't eaten, fed him enough so you know but listen we Kristen, we really appreciate you sending this to us because there were so many things that we could talk about. And it, it's really hard to come out and talk about your feelings. So, you know, beautifully, but difficultly because it was such a challenge for you in many ways. Yeah, I, I second that. And and also, I, I really was moved by the language that Kristen used. She said her, she's talking about about Bella, and she says her quality of life passed the tipping point. Yeah, that's right. I found that to be a very poignant way to say this, mm -hmm. and I may continue to use that. That there's a there's a tipping point at which there's so much pain, there's so much discomfort that it's it's no longer it's no longer joyful, right? Possible to have benefit from being alive and it's just a it's just a, a, a wonderful phrasing i think mm -hmm. and, and one other comment that i that i make is that it's it's really and it, and it sounds like this is a very loving couple and mm -hmm. very very in tune with each other and it's it's just really important for her husband to to even though he's not feeling the way she's feeling to be validating, to be supportive, to not be, judgment, be judgmental at all. It doesn't sound like he's doing this, but to not say things like, hey, snap out of it. When are you going to be done with this? I mean, I'm yeah, just saying that for other people because I don't, I don't imagine that he's saying those kinds of things. But to, and also to deal with his own frustration and, and concern for her in a way that's healthy as well. And so to, to realize that seeing her in such distress is probably quite distressing yeah, and, for him. and to take care of himself in, right. in the face of that. Cause that's scary for somebody to see another person consumed by anxiety, person who they love and who means the world to them to be so upset. So all of, all of their, all of what's going on requires them in the best of, of circumstances to take good care of themselves, to mm -hmm. sort of prioritize self-care. And Tilly and Milo. And take care of the, the, their two cats as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so I guess we should, we should end there. Thanks again, Kristen. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we hope that this has been helpful for you. And I, I, I am sure that it's been helpful for other people because yes. there's just so much here that probably resonates with many, many people. So and, and we that's really, appreciate it. And that's really, yeah, we really appreciate you being able to share that with us. And so we could share that with others. Thank you.